I don't know about you, but I always get nervous when the preacher brings that much. So, and if you're feeling nervous seeing that, uh, your instinct is right. Let's pray a lot. God, we do thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to proclaim your word, to speak truthfully to one another. We thank you for the opportunity to speak truthfully to you as well. We ask that you teach us forgiveness, not just what it means, but who we are to be as people of Jesus and everything that goes with that. We approach you um, humbly, but with great confidence because of the promises of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. I heard a comedian talking recently about how his dad learned how to make kale chips. You know kale? <laughs> it's a, uh, I, I don't know, it's like they crossbred spinach with um, poster board. <laughs> anyway, he, he, his dad calls him and says, hey, you got to come over. I just made kale chips. Um, once you have one of these, you'll never want any other kind of chips again. So he goes over and he takes a bite of his dad's kale chips and he goes, ah, yeah, my dad forgot what chips taste like. So, so I spent about the last six months trying to do a deep dive into forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you, right at the outset of this second half of our summer series where I assigned myself that this was the day when I was going to start defining forgiveness. Has that been clear, by the way, that we would spend the first half of the series just openly saying, what is it, and just exploring it together? But this was the Sunday on the second half, as the second half of the series began, that I said, that's the Sunday when you have to start defining it. And I have been just dreading today. Because it's, it's not that hard to say, hey everybody, let's explore what forgiveness is. What is it? And you, your turn. But second half, you've got to start actually defining what it is. And for six months, I have been lugging this sermon around like an albatross around my neck. I have written and rewritten this thing, this manuscript, it's all bent up with notes on it. I've been carrying around with me, and I've re... So I got a, a new coffee maker for my birthday. And the only bad thing about getting a new coffee maker is that at first, it doesn't taste like the way you're used to drinking coffee. 
You, you know what I'm talking about? It's true of anything, a recipe, you know, you're learning a new recipe. And so I'm on about the fourth, fifth pot of coffee now, and it's getting better. It's, I mean, and it's really good. It's not where I want it, but it's that. That's what this thing has been. It's like a recipe, and you cook it, and you cook it again, and you cook it again, and you're just like, it's not there yet. It's not there yet, and here it is. I'm going to serve it. I'm not saying it's ready yet, but this is about as good as it's going to get after dragging this thing around with me for six months. And I'll tell you, after six months of research, I think I have less of a definition of forgiveness than back when I started in January. And I think that's a good thing. You know what I found out? The Bible never really defines forgiveness. Do you know that? I, I mean, I'm telling you, I've got a stack of degrees in this stuff in three really big books up here with me. And I've been a professional Christian for 30 years. And I didn't know that. I did, I honestly, I did not know that there's nowhere in the Bible where it says forgiveness is this, forgiveness is not this. Go to book, chapter, and verse. You don't find that. And it, it really got me to thinking, do you ever get the feeling that sometimes people use the word forgiveness and it just leaves you wondering? I don't think that's what that means. Kind of like, ah, yeah, they forgot what forgiveness tastes like. Or maybe I have. Maybe you have. And that's what today is. All this time that we've spent so far leads to today and where we're going to go for the next few weeks saying, what is this? Now, this today, this sermon, by the way, you can look at your order of worship. It's not called the definition of forgiveness. It's called defining forgiveness as an ongoing act. And this is just the start. So here's the closest thing that I've found in Scripture, to a definition of forgiveness. All right? It's not a definition, but it's, it's getting there. Here's the closest thing that I've found. It's Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Well, that's, again, it's a good start, but I, I, NRSV, God love it, it doesn't get it. Not this time. Um, number one, because I, I don't go around using the word impute. I can't even tell you what it means. I mean, we can, just Google it. But what about, what is it really saying? What is it trying to say? So we'll go to NIV. Here it is again. 
Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Sin is covered. Okay? Anyone ever told you that? For any reason. You know, you forgot your wallet. I got you covered. Mm. Sin is covered. It's God saying to you, when you're worried about sin, and you're worried about everything else in your life that might be sin, or you're worried about... I had an elder back in Monday named Lonnie. He's a great old cotton farmer. And I rem- it was the first time I went through school bachelor's degree never heard this where i heard this from lonnie where he talked about sins of omission and commission <laughs> so if you're like been around a while you've heard that the rest of us like what omission and commission sins of commission i commit a sin sins of omission the way he explained it to me was it's sin for something you didn't do i'm like what I'm having a hard enough time with the sins of commission. What are you talking about? I'm responsible for the stuff I don't do. It's, okay, think of it as in terms of Ecclesiastes 3. Time to speak, time to keep silent. I should have spoken, but I kept silent. That's, I think, a sin of omission. That one too, this is God, Psalm 32 saying, I got you covered. But then, as if that wasn't enough, which it is. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. God's saying, I got you covered. I like the way the NIV translates it. And God does not hold sin against us. That's not bad. Because, again, if you've been at this life thing for a while, you know what it is. To have something held against you. And this is God saying, I don't hold it against you. And then 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some of you think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now, that is good news. I don't know about you, but sometimes God feels slow. Right here in the Bible, it says as plain as day. You know those days when you feel sad, angry, frustrated, lonely, tired? You know those days? That these days, the whole pandemic thing, sad, angry, frustrated, lonely, tired is a single, like, emotion. You know what I'm saying, right? I'm not making a, I'm not being funny. I'm saying sad, angry, frustrated, lonely, tired is something that a lot of us are feeling. Okay, so then what about God? On those days when you feel sad, angry, frustrated, lonely, tired, those days when you think, or at least it feels like, God is dragging the divine feet. 
That's just God being patient with you. Mm. And that's comforting for about five minutes. Because one, there's two parts to this. One, I get pretty disappointed with God sometimes about the way things are in the world. And I used to, is it okay for me to say that? Yep, it's okay for me to say that. Because God's big enough for me to say, look, God, I'm disappointed with the way things are in the world. Because if you can't say that to God, who are you going to say it to? You're going to say it to someone who probably hold it against you. God says, I don't hold that against you. Just being honest with you. God, I want to talk to you. I'm disappointed about the way things are in the world. But believe me, it's nothing new. I know that everybody thinks that the world is the worst it's ever been. You've heard that lately, right? The world, worst it's ever been. And I could probably make a case for it. World, worst it's ever been. Until I like go talk to my grandparents or their parents and their parents. Because you know, you know who else thought that the world, the worst it's ever been? Every single generation ever. Everybody always thinks that. I told you a story one time about uh, like parents in the late 1800s who thought that all their kids were just going to hell in a bucket because they were playing too much chess. Every generation thinks that. The world is hard. Okay, it is. The world's a hard place. But two, here's the other part of this. The passage about God being patient is only comforting for about five minutes because it brings about a chilling realization. The chilling realization is that that patient, forgiving attribute of God, the one where, I mean, Second Peter actually comes out and says, you know when you think God is too slow? That patient, forgiving attribute of God where God is not being slow, God's being patient. That patient, forgiving attribute of God, yeah, you have to do that too. Okay, so we receive it from God. That's comforting, but guess what? Now, now that's on you too. That's on each one of us. That we learn the whole imitating God thing. God is patient and forgiving. Go do likewise. It's the Ephesians 4 teaching, forgive as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, so what does that mean? That's what we're after today. What does that mean? Well, here's where we learn about God as we learn forgiveness. Back to the second Peter 3. But is patient with you, not wanting any of you to perish, but all to come to repentance. Okay, that one phrase. Now, some of you, again, who've been at this a while, grew up with an image of God where God was the one who, if you blinked wrong, was going to drop kick you into hell. You grew up with that. Some of you lived that. 
Here's 2 Peter 3. But is patient with you, not wanting any of you to perish, but all to come to repentance. So there's the good news. And then, here comes the rest of it. Then we give that to each other. I have to be patient with you, not wanting any of you to perish, but all to keep on keeping on. See how this forgiveness thing works? God is forgiving and patient. And then we come in. 2 Peter 3 says God is not really slow. Even if sometimes it feels that way, God's not slow. You know what else feels slow though sometimes? Forgiveness. Practicing it. Learning it. Getting it. Because here's the deal, the more I try to define forgiveness, the more I realize it's not a definition. It's a practice. Forgiveness today, for us, for me, means something more and something different than it did this time last year. But the point of that realization is today, not yesterday. You know what I mean by that? Think about this time last year, summer of 2021. What did forgiveness mean to you last summer? You know, you remember stuff, but chances are probably pretty good. It means something different today, or at least something more, or a slightly different angle. And you might actually answer these two following questions differently from the person sitting next to you. What is forgiveness? What is forgiveness not? And really, I'd like to... I'd like to hear you try to answer those two questions. Shoot me an email this week. I'd love to hear it. I really would. Because that's part of what this last six months has been, is just trying to listen to people, exploring what is it? What is forgiveness and what is it not? And then remember 2 Peter 3 and what it says about God. But is patient with you, not wanting any of you to perish, but all to come to repentance. And then along with Psalm 32 and 2 Peter 3, which, time out. 2 Peter 3 is the last chapter in one of the last books of the Bible. Why didn't they lead with this? I mean, this is something I want to know from the beginning. The whole God is patient, not wanting you to perish, all to come to repentance. That should be in Genesis, not the very back of the Bible. Anyway, it's a personal thing. Anyway, along these lines, here's the best that I could come up with a definition of forgiveness, not the, a definition of forgiveness based on Scripture and what we know. So here it goes. Let me start with a bad definition. So... I got this for my 25th birthday. So I've been lugging this thing around for 25 years. The Anchor Bible Dictionary. This is volume two of six. Volume one has 1,232 pages in it. Volume two, the definition of forgiveness is on page 831. And this is only D through G. 
Okay, so here I thought, okay, I'm going to pull out Anchor Bible, and here's, here's the definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the wiping out of an offense from memory. It can be affected only by the one affronted. Once eradicated, the offense no longer conditions the relationship between the offender and the one affronted, and harmony is restored between the two. I read that definition and thought to myself, ah, he forgot what chips taste like. (laughs) Maybe he forgot what forgiveness tastes like too. That sounds more like the beginning of an article in a theological dictionary than anything that tastes like real life. And that's been my main thing with all this time in theological education, it's like, but it doesn't taste like anything. I want it to taste like something. What does forgiveness taste like in real life? This is not about a definition. This is about sitting down to a meal and receiving God's forgiveness. This is about preparing something for hours and hours and experimenting with recipe after recipe so that finally when somebody comes and sits down at the table, I'm going to serve them something that tastes better than kale. Oh, I like kale. Well, you don't. (laughs) Okay, so if you mix it with bacon and grease and cheese and deep fry it. Okay, I like kale too. But you see what I'm saying? Yes, this forgiveness that's all over this, this is a practice. It's a daily thing, day after day. But let's get even a little blunter. And yes, I looked it up. It's blunter, not more blunt. High five English majors. If I ask someone to forgive me and I know I did wrong, part of asking them to forgive me means I don't keep doing it. I learn. You know what the Bible calls that? It calls it repentance. And that's part of this. If there's one thing I know about forgiveness from the way that I grew up, it's that forgiveness is not a one-time transaction. It's daily. So what do we do then? Here's a start. Step one, repent. Turn around. Don't keep behaving in the same old way. Which means that if you want to be a person of forgiveness, you have to be a person who is willing to learn and adapt. Sounds hard? You know why it sounds hard? Because it is. It is hard. But God is patient. Thank God. Step two. If forgiveness is about God not holding our sins against us, then that might mean that being a person of forgiveness means not carrying around grudges and memories. That's a hard one too, isn't it? And let me tell you, I'm going to tell you this. And some people may agree, some people may disagree, but I'm going to say it. Sometimes 
forgiveness is up close. Sometimes forgiveness needs to be from far away. But I do know that forgiveness is learning each day how to hold your pain lightly and treating others likewise. And if you ask for someone's forgiveness, don't keep treating them the same way you treated them before you ask for their forgiveness. The ultimate good news is that the root of forgiveness is the same for everyone. The starting point of forgiveness, same for everybody. And that root, that source of forgiveness is God. God is the source of all forgiveness. That's where this begins. And that's why the teaching in Ephesians 4 says, forgive as God in Christ forgave you. And then to each one of our parts. To forgive someone else means not holding their sin against them. Not holding a grudge. But again, I promise you, that does not mean that you have to set yourself up for more pain. Sometimes forgiveness can mean harmony and true reconciliation. But sometimes forgiveness is a dish best served from a safe distance. Amen.